The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the speakers and by no means represent that of Iron Valley's cast. Hello, story lovers. Welcome to the Short Tales Club, a place where I and my friends rethink and discuss short stories that we find fun and interesting. Please note that this is a spoiler future, as we cannot be held accountable for our frenzied excitement. Seriously, we really can't help ourselves. Other than that, enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Short Tales Club. My name is Oz, and with me are Crypt, Hanan, Fresh. <laughs> All that's left is one person. See, Fresh, I'm Discussing a short story titled Ketra Ketra, written by Pemi Aguda. And okay, just like um, our last episode, it has tinges of horror in it. Or maybe it's a bit more than tinges. Anyway, um, for a synopsis, I will be reading um, the review that has been posted on Goodreads just to give you a feel for what we are about to talk about. <clears throat> Nigerian author Pemi Aguda is the winner of the 2015 Short Story Prize. The shortlist was selected from 277 entries and a long list of 14 stories. Aguda won with the story Ketra Ketra, which brings to life a woman, a wife to an uncaring husband, who has recently been deprived of both his legs and his job. He had discovered <clears throat> he has discovered her true value to himself and treats her with more respect than ever in their life together. She is now the breadwinner and has been offered the catering job of her lifetime. It will pay her two months' rent on her home and if, and <clears throat> and maybe even some leftover to buy her husband a new wheelchair. As always in life, if something sounds too good to be true, it is fearsome discoveries. Threatening church, threatening church talks, and a starkly simple choice are placed before the narrator: cook or die. <laughs> there you have it, the review. Okay, so now we're going to delve into our sound reviews. Um. Oh. And for me, that sounds like a crippled bitch. That she's begging for you to take out her misery. 
Okay, so um, that's the sound review for today. Um, we're going to start with um, discussing the theme. What do we think about this theme, and how um, how common is it with um, African stories? Um, I think the theme of the story is um, irony. Uh, the irony, well. Different kinds of irony. For you, you mean? Yes, for me, yeah. Um, like how this man of God is also perpetrating these crimes. How uh, it only took being disabled for her husband to actually understand or realize how much he does or should love his wife. Um, how cooking food, food that gives life would inadvertently take life as well like it's just full of irony so um i think talk it talks about like the theme talks about how in life there our lives are full of irony you could be really really religious but then at the same time struggling with bad habits sin and all of that you could be really book smart but then not street smart at all which anybody that street smart would assume you're dumb so uh it's take on life. So, so I'll I'll pick from where Crypt started and um, talk about um, the irony of um, being very good, and it takes it's for this story is more than bad habits. It's like being very evil. Like um, the woman, we never really um, the writer didn't mention her name, so just. He repaired the gen- oh he bought the school the gen- generation right and um, give yam every other day and everything and um, then take a, I mean few out of the community and it kept me thinking these are mothers these are fathers these are you know some you know people's daughters and and sons or something so it's um I, I think it talks about contenting or contentment for me. Yes, because where you think you are, I don't know, maybe I have too many issues with, with the stories. Maybe when we start discussing, I will be able to I mean, bring this in out. But the irony is just, you know, pungent. Um, okay, uh, for me, I think, well, uh, the story being common, not very, but in in real life, we've heard stories a lot about this, like, I've not read anything like this. That's what I meant when I said not common. I've not read anything like this. But we've heard stories. We've heard of pastors, even imams, people in high places, politicians that do those things. And there is literally no proof sometimes. And even when proof uh, is just buried, it's usually just swept under the carpet somehow. Like this is Nigeria. So it's, it's, it's amazing for me. Not like what happened, but you know, Somebody trying to bring this to life, like, yeah, this is happening, and this is the reality we live in, and it is more common and, than we think, like, it is actually, yeah, somebody's reality. People get missing, people get missing, and then there's, people get missing all the time, we don't get to find some, you don't know, they probably just end up in... You know, one pep, somebody's soup, one pepper soup, or some tomato sauce, or something, or chicken sauce. It's crazy, and the team is. 
I don't know. But it's nice, it's nice. Glad somebody's talking about it. It's yeah. writing about it rather. For me, I just loved what Aguda did with food. Uh, some people know me as a foodie. And um, the way she was able to, you know, right from the beginning of the story, you are able to tell that this is, this is, this narrator knows about food. She cares deeply about food. She loves making it, cooking. She's passionate about cooking. And then we move on to, okay, wow, you've gotten a gig. And it's all about you going to cook. And she's a very, very, she's perf- she's a perfectionist. She doesn't want to get there and then realize that the bay leaf that they got is not the right one that she wants. So even though this client has told her, don't worry, I have all the ingredients all, she made preparations. She got extra ingredients just in case. You know, this is... This is, this is somebody who cares about cooking, who cares about the end product of her food. And then she gets there. And there's a special ingredient nobody told her about. And while everybody is shocked that, oh, this caterer is about to cook human meats. I am sure that a part of her mind is worried about how many minutes she's going to have to cook this meat for to ensure that it is properly soft. As in, it's not like she has cooked human meat before. It's not like she knows how tough or how, how, I mean, and then, would it shrink? Would it be crunchy? What does human meat really taste like? So yes, this um, the theme of this story is quite apt. We're in the season of elections, all campaigns towards the elections, and we've heard tales about how politicians do a lot of things, how they bury some things alive, some people, some animals, and then how we are never really clear about what really goes on, and people who know are not saying anything. And people who say anything are no more. So, it's out there. Ketra Ketra is an interesting take, but it was told from the perspective of um, our narrator, who is also one of the characters in the story, main character even. Um, Ketra. But we are able to see a lot of all the, um, a lot of the other characters from her eyes. And I want us to discuss what we think about these other characters. If you were asked, who would you say is the best character? Apart from the Ketra herself, who would you say is the best character in the story? Um, I'm not really sure. Uh, I wouldn't say he's my best character, but it's just interesting how she was able, in my opinion, to tell us a lot about the uh, Pastor Pascal. How he doesn't he doesn't have a fashion sense, a good fashion sense. And to me, that just smacks me with the idea that he didn't... Um, this money just came out of a sudden. He didn't work for the money per se. It just f- fell into his lap 
So people who work for money know how to dress. No, it's about how you spend the money. It, she never said it's not an expensive. Oh, the, the person I mentioned the suit didn't say it wasn't expensive. They said it was that it looked weird. I know people that will buy uh, clothes from Bendown Boutique and will look better than people that spend thousands or tens of thousands on their outfits. It's about style, having the right eye and stuff. And he didn't have it. And I think if you were, if you, there's a way you walk into money. Like, I don't know. You own the money. He's, yes, you try to make it work for you. But when you accidentally get the money, you would wear oversized. Who wears green suit? So, so it's, 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 um, he needs to be arrested by fashion police. Yes. Green suits are not meant for. So, so, so my best character is, um, B. B, the husband of the main character. B is just, yes, the husband. The B, B is lovely. Yes. He's in a wheelchair. And I, I, I really, I'm waiting for, um, to talk about, um, what we really think about the characters personally, because the fact that we're talking about, um, this character based on the main character's perspective does not really do justice to them. Um, he's in a wheelchair. I, I respect how he's just boxing, um, what he believes in with what the current religion and, um, he's funny. He made me. He made me laugh throughout the. Um, there are so many metaphors about uh, what is happening and what he feels actually happened. I mean, when he started relating somebody's brown suit like uh, to um, a ground, the, the soil of the mother's village and everything. Spirogera. No, no, no. The green one was for the spirogera. Oh, it was her. Though she, th- this, she would. She said this. What the husband would say. What he would say, and I would say Nawao and everything. <clears throat> now you know. So he's the best character for me. Okay, for me, my favorite and best character is Sissy. I mean, the timid, calm, red. You know, like our Ketra girl, our Ketra woman was literally pitying her, like this fragile small girl <laughs> with your big big eye eyeballs you're just here what are you doing here like how and then she kept wondering her eyes are so big probably she's seen so much you know these places this church places and stuff she's seen a lot of things and then she kept talking to her what's your name and she's not saying anything she's just there in her mind she's like this auntie doesn't even know what is coming for her like hey yeah welcome and then from that quiet timid girl to now just go ahead, just do it, just do it. Don't worry, very soon you'll get used to it. it like it's ever like... possible for you to just get used to just chopping people in pieces and putting them in a the pot of soup. Like they're already dead. It's not like they are, you are going to they are going to disturb you in your dreams. Yes, can you imagine? <laughs> she sounds like a witch. A small witch. FYI, FYI, these two people talking, Oz and Fresh. Ah. Mm. Uh, um, horror movies uh, freaks. So when they give you mental images of how people are dying and how they should die, don't I mean judge them. They're just freaks. All right. <laughs> That's it, basically. That's, 
Okay, so um, who's my favorite character? I I I kind of like everybody. Okay, so if I have to choose, um, I would go for Yasadik. Um, reason being that we didn't see much of her. All we knew was that okay, first she was the one who got the gig. She has two scrawny boys. She has two scrawny looking boys, and. Of course, she was the envy of all the other caterers in town. Then we saw the whole um, Yasadik's uncle or father or mother was sick and she had to leave. She had to travel somewhere. So she recommended our narrator, the caterer, to take over this job, this gig that she's gotten. And our narrator is, yes, a bit concerned that somebody is ill and needs help, but she's more grateful for the fact that this gig has come to her. And then we see the whole, considering that Yasadik is my competitor, I, I am surprised that she recommended me. Which means, to begin with, there was competition, fierce competition between the two. And the normal Yasadik that she knows would probably die before she would recommend. So, is it that, um, okay, you're a business person, and then you just receive a call, uh, so, so, and so person who has this Instagram page, oh, they recommended you, they said they're busy, and then told me that if I needed um, quality service, I should, I should reach out to you. And that's it, you're sold. And somebody tells you, oh, because of that, come to my house and my house that is in one on top of one mountain like that. And you'd go simply because one, you're envious of this, your competitor two, this competitor that you thought um, that, you know, in your heart of hearts that this person is really good, maybe as good as you or even better than you is recommending you to do this gig. And so you need to go and impress. What exactly was it? That convinced her, despite the competition between her and Yasadik, that Yasadik has recommended her to do this. I have a theory, and I don't know if you guys have considered it, but Yasadik and her boys are in that pot. And the reason why she recommended this person, because she never recommended, they just needed a replacement. The story about the uncle that is sick, there's nobody to verify it. So... People are going to feed well on Yasadik and scrawny squ- uh, boys. Um, no, um, adding to that, yes, because the narrator did say Yasadik disappeared into thin air with her two boys. Yeah, so if she was just going to see who is sick and come back, but she just went yeah, and that was it, and then with the two boys. So I was of the opinion that they probably she decided to, like she had enough, and then she decided to run away. That's why she took her boys. That, yes, yes. Okay, or maybe she's just in the pots. Maybe she got caught. They'll definitely have their information. girl was like, if you tell anyone, we would know. And we'll find you. Like a mob boss. You know that kind of thing. Like, whatever, wherever you are, we, we, we see and hear everything. So what did they do exactly? Go to the house, tell the boys, oh, come, come into the car. Your mom is waiting for... No, maybe she was able to oh. escape. And so it's on her maybe, way maybe, to, maybe. to to maybe she didn't make it. Okay, okay. My I think I think um Crips and um Fresh's um um idea opinion stays. We don't know. The writer didn't tell you use your head. And to answer um Oz's question about what 
prompt unprompted um yeah Sadiq to uh, sorry yeah. the, the yeah. main yeah. no no the, the, the main the caterer to doing what she doing knowing having no clue about who those people are there are several reasons why I would do it if I was in her shoes why because first of all I think we 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 give these um the so-called holy houses so many credit than they deserve I mean for a house that will tell you um it, the, the walls will be as long um no it will be so long that it would you would actually look God. to God you see that metaphor is is not realistic it's not realistic. Yes. It really told see the majesty of that building. I look I look I look I I I, I look I uh, I have seen ten stories in Kaduna. I didn't think about God. I just see ten stories. I've seen the doom of uh Angwanseriki monks and a lot of monks. I just think about the architecture. Yeah, but this one architecture or the money spent on this monks. Yeah, but this one seemed to be in a it didn't the grammar school, the local government, the politician. It seems like it's a, li- it's a small community. So it's possible that this is the tallest building that they are ever going to see. But it's not the building. So, it's the wall. So, so, okay, I want to say, I want to say this. telling us how the building is going to look much later when it's done. All right. So um, I'm just saying I am choosing the word unrealistic because um, B, that's the main narrator's husband, seem to be the most realistic person in that village seeing the pastor even if it's just a hunch seeing the pastor of for who really who he really is then the second reason as to why the caterer would go they needed the money it is not a good feeling for anybody to be evicted from the house the husband needed a wheelchair and 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 so on and the desperation of being the first is always very there. It will force you to, I mean, not to, to negate any kind of, um, uh, what is called red flags as to why your competitor would actually call you for, um, a gig. She could have called any other person. It's not as if they are the only two caterers in the village. There are others. Why would you call me? I mean, they are not just friends like that. So I, I think life generally forced her to doing the things. It's not as if she had a hint of, what they, you know, it's a church for God's sake. It, they should be all loving and Christ-like. They should be Christ-like, but no, they decided to be the academy of um, the Christ himself. So thank you. I Am Politcast provides a platform for artists to showcase their talents. Whether you are a writer, poet, painter, dancer, singer, etc., visit www.iambalitcast.com and create your artist profile. This will allow members of our community to find and engage with you. But that's not all. I Am Politcast also has a growing catalog of podcasts ranging from lifestyle and poetry to manga and novels. So join our family, get discovered, and enjoy more podcasts. Okay. So now I want us I want to ask us a question. If you were the narrator, if you have been invited to the gig of a lifetime, if you know how desperate you are for this money that you're going to get out of this gig and you arrive at the place far far away from civilization, far away from help and you were faced 
with this dilemma. Cook these people or die. What would you do? We're in the middle of nowhere. I have no car, no means of transportation to get me out of there quickly. I'm not familiar with the neighborhood, if there's even a neighborhood. I would do what they asked me to do. That's the only way I can survive. Otherwise, I would end up in the pot. Mm, I know, the people are already dead. So I would do what they asked for and cook. Then once I'm able to get home, probably just move and never come back. Um, but then again, in these type of situations, if these people are really as, well, I don't think they're even sadistic, but if they're really into this business, if this is what they do, they would probably want to implicate you, the caterer, so that you can't go to the police or anything else. So it wouldn't be to just cook. It would actually be to kill as well so that they have something to use against you. She didn't say that, so I think it's safe, but that's also a possibility. For me, it is the audacity with which they are doing it. Red lipstick girl is like, have you not seen dead bodies before? Why behaving hysterically? Like, why, wh- what is it? Just cook. It's meat, like every regular meat out there. And the fact that they know what they did to Iyas Sadiq. They know they've done something to her. They know she's never going to appear. And they are not afraid that anybody is going to come looking. Is going to ask questions. It's the audacity for me. And I think that's what will make you scared or make you think. I can't really say what I would do if I was in her shoes. I mean, um, until you are faced with this kind of things, you can only just speculate. But... um, the smart thing would be, okay, these guys are already dead, right? Make the soup. Try not to taste it. Don't forget, as per, you are always tasting your soup. Don't go and taste people's hand. And then when you are done and you leave. But I would, as Crypt says that um, he leaves the town or he moves. What makes you think that that is even an option? What makes you think that they wouldn't have people watching your home, watching you, watching everything that you do? What makes you think it's going to be that easy to just leave? Because they know once you're out of their clutches, then you could get them in trouble. It's It all boils down to what you would do in this situation. First thing is to make sure I survive long enough to try and get my family away from there. Uh, I don't think it was mentioned whether she has a child or children. Oh, it's clear that she doesn't have any children because she said the mother-in-law was asking her whether she, why she swallowed all her grandchildren. Uh-huh. So, with that in mind, that means that the only person I'm actually thinking about is my husband, B, which I don't even have to go back home to go and see him and tell him I could just disappear from there. But then, because I'm thinking about him as well, I would go home and then we would try to escape. Now, whatever happens to us after that, is our luck. I just feel I would prefer to die trying. It's easier to um it's easier to die trying than for me to live doing this thing. Um I yes that all um all this is um idea and creeps. But I think in this type of um situation you should not it should, the beginning of this um series um creep say um uh, said something about uh, being a book smart and a street smart you need uh, a 
a very strict knowledge here. And besides, it has to do with um, how important life is to you. Now, you're not just talking about yours. You, you have, if you have only your husband as a, as your family, I think is worth, you know, trying for him because if it's not you, it's, it will be a lot of other caterers. You should cook. Don't ask me what I'm going to do because I, I I'm not going to be there. So nobody should ask me, um, what I'm going to do in that kind of situation. I don't want to be in that. I don't even want to imagine myself in that. Situation. So, so, so nobody wants, nobody wants it. But I think the smart thing to do in that kind of situation is, I mean, cook the meat. Then if you, it depends on your mental well, mental uh, well-being after you cook the bean. If you know you cannot survive it, then it's better you die there than to, and if you know you are strong, emotionally, um, strong enough to actually do things to help other caterers, to help your family, to help other people, then you should cook the meat and find a way of getting these culprits, I mean, arrested or whatever. But then if there are some people that will cook the meat and they will run mad, you cannot help yourself or help other people. Then it's better you die there. I mean, I'm just giving you street, um, street, um, sense here. It's not, it does not apply to you, but this is what I would do. Okay, well, I don't recollect. No, but, um, it's just what you said. There's the, okay, so I said I would go home and tell my husband and try to run. But then if I never see my husband to tell him, then he shouldn't be in danger. So yes, an option is to just die there and then I know that my husband is safe. But then if I'm the one doing everything for him, he's relying on me. Isn't it as good as killing him by me dying there too? And then if they're sadistic, as if these, let's not call them church, let's call them a cult. If these cultists now are sadistic, they could capture me. Instead of killing me, they now catch my husband and then torture him to force me to cook for them. Which they could also have done with yesterday. We don't know how that turned out. But then there are lots of things like, so I don't think there's any really good d- option here. It's just work with what you have to the best of your ability and then take it as it goes. Okay. Um, I think the parts where Hanan said, uh, do something good for the community, you know, help other caterers. Try to stop this act so it doesn't affect other. Get them arrested. Culprits. No, this is Nigeria. These people have this audacity to do this, and they are able to do it with, you don't know, with attitude. It's not because it's, it's not because it's it, they are doing it because they can get away with it, and they've been getting away with it. This is what they do, and we know how the country is and how messed up it is. So there is no how that catcher would even think like that. Even I would not think like that at that point. The first thing I'll be thinking about is how to get out of there alive. Thinking of, okay, yeah, you know, it's normal. You know, as a good person, you think of, oh, is there a way I could make this stop? But there's no way. Maybe there is, but the chances are very, very, very slim. Okay. I mean, the the, the thing I said was that um, if you are, if your emotional strength is good enough, then do this. If it's not good enough, there's no point um, losing two people in the family when I can be the one that is gone. That is one. It's like having a, um, uh, what is it called, AIDS, and you still want to make babies. 
with someone that is not already contaminated. You're, you're killing two people. Uh, yes, now infected, infe- infected, contaminated, and, and the rest. So, <laughs> so and again, but they say um, for you to help people in the in the, a crashing airplane, you need oxygen yourself. You need to see. You need to know how to swim to actually save people from water, uh, dying water. So, if your emotional strength is actually, I mean, good enough, you could do this. We have this idea in. I will use this medium to actually preach to Nigerians, like um, like um, we think everything should be done by the government. Everything should be done by the police. Everything, everything should be done by these people. A community policing would actually eradicate all of this wala that you're talking about. It's. A village, for God's sake. They probably might not have um, police stations and all, all of this. Thing. But if you go back to the community and you can actually convince, not by being scared or something, telling them that people are dying like this. And this is, um, yes, like you said, you should not call them um, Christians or so. Uh, you should call them cultists. That they are that they are killing. And you could actually convince them, where is Yasidik? Where is oh, these people? Where is these people? Then this would be would be done. We are selfish that we think we can just you know being a good human being is your ability to actually I mean sacrifice and everything or something. And when you sacrifice, you'll be saving your loved ones or something. So I'm saying when you are in this situation, don't just think about yourself alone. By by save by trying to save the community, you don't know you might just be saving yourself also. And this brings us to the question. People in high places, religious organizations, and the amount of um, influence that they have over people. I know that, okay, let's remove B. The husband was already suspicious even before anything happened or before we were, um, before the, this aspect of the Pastor Pascal organization was, uh, yes, and all of that. But who in the community, how many of the congregation, people who actually attend this church, who are followers of Pastor Pascal, would believe? Because there is a point. She said, who would believe? The narrator said, who would believe me? When I tell them that the same people who are preaching against Juju are eating human beings. On one hand, we have the whole situation of how can you say this of a pastor? But on the other hand, we know how we follow our religious scholars. People have killed because they felt insulted by something somebody said of their religion. People are willing to go the extra mile to defend their religion. And now you're coming. Not just to say, uh, because you're not going to live there with any evidence. That is why she didn't go into that compound with a, with her bag. You won't have any evidence once you are done and you are left, or you are allowed to leave. And then that's another thing. We're not even sure if she's ever going to be allowed to leave. Because it's just possible that this is a permanent 
you you've come you've come what do you need you need clothes we'll get you clothes you need your husband we'll bring your husband to you but you are not leaving this compound until we are done or and we'll never be done every sunday we'll have to prepare a feast for the community and you would cook don't worry we'll settle all your bills so how many people because it's possible that all the only the only person that she's going to have connection with would be the churchgoers who can you convince that this religious scholar that they hold in high esteem is this person to convince them to believe you and then to take action against them the big question in my own head is why do they need a congregation to eat this meat like why do they need a fancy caterer to do it, to cook the meat the the food to like if it's so special or whatever shouldn't it just be within the circle of cultists in the church and not the entire church there might be a criteria that the food needs to be really delicious all churches uh, sorry not churches um yo okay actually i mean you have um churches uh monks that i mean your salah your salah is a sacrifice to god then then you have um cultists making sacrifice to their own kind of gold or, or, or gods or something so uh, sometimes you need um you need the sacrifice to actually come and most of the times you would have um the people of the community eating this and like my friend told me about um there's some village that um a prominent um man or men or something actually had um um a feast that the caterers just like the same story random person and and they, they they've already butchered according to him they've already butchered this meat human meat human body you know the hands the legs and the head were removed and the you know intestine and the head were removed flesh and what you could tell that this is human meat and they instructed them to actually mix it with the cow meat so I think you know. I mean, going by your question or the odd question about um, who would believe them, I have this theory that because you cannot um, completely do something to the finish line, does not mean you should completely leave it. It is happening, like just like you say too. I mean, this is election period. Let's not lie to ourselves. A lot of people are going missing, and a lot of people are going to eat human meat, and they wouldn't know. That is true. Yes, Kodei, longer truth. Because um, some kind of senator, or some kind of this, and they are going to, and you are going there and you would eat. And just like the caterer said, you are going to eat and you are going to lick your hands, your fingers, and you are going to say it's delicious and it's going to be human meat. I mean. <laughs> okay, um, I just wanted to say this before I forget. I think they were, they were really unfair to this poor caterer. Like. <clears throat> They could make the job easier. I just keep thinking about it. You know, they could have gotten someone, maybe one of all those men offloading, because they're obviously in the business. They could have gotten them to, like, remove this hand, legs, head, you know, um, cut this meat into, into, let it become, let it not be human meat, let it become meat, let it become meat, so that all she has to do is just probably just wash and put in the pot. But they brought a tall heap of, dead bodies, like lots of dead bodies and they're like, yeah, you know, start it from scratch, start doing everything. 
for me, I'm concerned about the bones. How are you? How is she going to? And there is no dagger. They just said butcher knives. They, they did not. What would she use to break those bones? Like it's and Sissy is just there, just cutting people's hands. Like she's, she's already started. It like carrots. So to answer your questions, is a short story. She, he, the writer will not give you the details of this thing. Use your imagination to. But let me tell you the story I was telling you that this guy told me is that they have that audacity to actually bring it. And, you know, um, a gig now for Ketra, maybe to be like a hundred thousand era or so, they'll give you this gig for one million to shut you up. So it all depends on your sanity or, or how well you, you mean for the community if you have to say something or not to say something. So I think the, the essence of um, any short story, any story at all, is to actually um, create awareness and to see pro- uh, probably how to provide solutions to um, things. Uh, I'm thinking now, I'm posing this question. I don't have answer to it. I'm posing this question. How do we deal with things? Because it's going on. How do we deal with things like this? You know, you have event planners too. You have makeup artists going to these things and you, you have caterers and the rest. How do we, how would you solve this kind of situation if you are if you have a bit maybe an ounce of solutions to it would you actually execute it or you just since it doesn't concern me and i'm getting the big money out of it would i would you just leave it to answer your question truth of the matter is things are hard and it's not just in nigeria like globally things are hard you have the energy crisis you have inflation you have just so many things going wrong now I've I've been in situations where I have two choices. Take the moral high ground or do this thing that I'm not really comfortable with. And more often than not, in fact, I think probably every time I take the moral high ground, which usually doesn't work out too well for me because it either means you lose or usually means you lose out on opportunities. Um... So when push comes to shove, most people would probably take that option, live the high life than to um, take moral high ground. <clears throat> then um, regarding the bodies, I said, I think it was fresh that I mentioned the tower of bodies and how um, Hanan also said how uh, you would be helping the community by exposing them. These bodies are not coming from this village reason why these bodies are not coming from this village is because if they were, people would notice. How big is the village? How many people live here? That means they're killing people outside the village and bringing them in. Where are you going to get your evidence from? How are you going to prove to this village that has now started booming because of the presence of this church? How are you going to convince them that they should drive these cultists out of their town, even though they've brought jobs and money and things to them? simply because of an accusation that you can't prove. Like, you don't have the bodies. You, people, people are not missing. Even if they believe you, even if it's suspicious, they would prefer to ignore all of that and pretend everything is fine just to make sure that they live better lives. Okay, so um, we're getting to the end of this episode. Um, Ketra, Ketra, if you were the writer... What would you write different? What would you say different? How would you... Um, what would you do different? I, I do have a problem with how... Um, you've seen... 
I, I do. It's a problem for me that um, most of the African books now they are making men look like African men look like monsters. There's a way. Seriously, you should laugh because <laughs> she, the person would have written about how the man is crippled and the wife is being a good wife, trying so hard to actually, I mean, I mean, um, create a, a fat income for the family without. If the story had excluded um, the man not caring about the woman, uh, talking her down or something. Well, like to have still be be okay. I was reading it and I was like, "Why again? Again, the man is being the man is being uh, I mean, all wicked and talking her down or something." Yes, dehumanize her and and she's now happy because um, she's enjoying her marriage when the man is crippled. That's one. And secondly, that she's so happy that the yeah, Sadiq's uncle is sick and that's why she, uh, the writer actually mentioned that uh, I guess you should not care about how good thing comes to you if they come to you and that was just before she got to the church and I laughed when they found out that okay she, she has to cook human being and I was like okay what would you say now that you're in this situation uh, I think some things, uh, these two things, if it wasn't there for me, if I was done writing it, I wouldn't have, I mean, made so that she would get the audience uh, audience um, sympathy when it actually happened. Okay, I I, I believe that um, characterization, characterization-wise, Aguda did a good job, a wonderful job. If all we saw of B was a crippled man who was once a school teacher, misses speaking English, and is using his wife now as, yeah, somebody that he speaks, um, practices his English with. He wouldn't leave an impression on me. But right now, I can actually see B, because he's a fully fleshed character. I can see somebody who would change from who he was to who he is now, as a result of this permanent um, disability that he has suffered. I can see human beings changing because they have suffered something traumatic, something that they are not going to recover from. It makes sense. So as far as I'm concerned, yes, you might not like the direction it took, but that characterization was really, really good. And that is why... You care about B now. All right. If I'm allowed to speak freely, huh? I think the character has not fully changed. I mean, he has always been that B has always been that person, especially uh, when it comes to um, Christianity, religion generally. He didn't change from his old way because he's now crippled. Why would he change? Because of... um, uh, why would he change to his wife because of the crippled descent? So I, I was seeing it because now he's completely dependent on her. Okay, you have a point. <laughs> Thank you. Um, for me, it's the story is nice and everything. It's, it's 
um, sort of simple, straightforward. But I think it didn't really convey how sinister this situation is, how sinister these people are. Um, I think if I was going to change anything, it would be in the presentation of the cultists, particularly uh, Pastor Pascal. Like, if there was a way to... Because um, looking at some of the reviews the story got on Goodreads, I noticed how people gave it two and three stars out of five without mentioning a reason. And what hit me immediately when I saw those reviews, uh, those ratings, was that these people probably have an issue with the subject matter as per it being a church. And this man that had, whenever we're talking about him, call him pastor, even though he doesn't embody what a pastor should be. It's a church and it doesn't, um, it doesn't up, uh, hold up or uplift the morals and moral standings of a, pro- a proper church. And so if I was going to change anything about the story, it would be to create parallels to make people know that I am not talking about, I'm not trying to talk down on churches or say this is how churches are or pastors. I'm trying to say that this particular church and this particular pastor, and technically they're not even, they don't deserve the titles. Okay, if I was the one, all I would say is that um, I would allow the narrator to meet Pastor Pascal. Now, I don't know how she would how she would have written it since, one, she doesn't attend the church and um, during the preparation of the event, he wasn't there. But I think we saw a lot of perspectives of other people, but we never saw his. It's still an assumption that he has a babalao, that he, it was Sisi that was saying it. It's still an assumption that all of these things that are happening was with the um was with under the instruction of Pastor Pascal. What if this guy is just a scapegoat? What if it is his wife who has decided my husband must succeed, goes to Babalao, employs all the workers, and decide that we're going to eat human meat today without the pastor knowing? All he knows is that he's a good man, he preaches and people have been coming and when he says when he prays for them, miracles happen. And he con- he he believes completely in God and nothing else. So, yes, we saw every other person's perspective, but we never saw Pastor Pascal's. We don't know at the heart of it if this is coming from him. If it is his doing, it could be any other thing. And maybe, as you said, that is why some people are marking it down. We didn't see Pastor Pascal order anyone to go kill people. We didn't see Pastor. All we saw, the one thing we are sure of is that Pastor Pascal donated a generator to the grammar school. He, do, he gives two bars of yams to people every month. That's what, we've, that's what we, can, we can say, yes, Pastor Pascal has done. But every other thing is just assumption. So for me, if Pastor Pascal is doing this, let's see that, yes, it's Pastor Pascal that gave the order. Kill them. I need 15 heads and all. Okay, um, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, I think the narration was good. It's very good. And um, I like the way she would 
always relate stuff to her husband. Oh, my husband would have said this. And then she would be like, nah, you sab you. Because she doesn't even really understand half of the English she speaks. Anyway, the <laughs> things are happening. Yes. Not just in churches or mocks or stuff. Around, it's the period, it's election, it's everything. They are killing people, people are getting missing, people are dying, they are removing people's heads, they are cooking some people, they are using some parts, people's parts for some certain kind of rituals. Let's be guided, let's be careful. Don't go anywhere without telling someone. Don't go where you shouldn't go. Behave yourself, stay in your houses. Be good citizens. Please, and it's 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 be 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 safe, um, be safety conscious. Make sure someone is always aware where you are. Send your locations to your relatives if you're going somewhere that no one is aware of. Send your location. It, it takes like I don't. I'm not even sure it's up to an MB on WhatsApp. Send your locations, your active locations to people you care about. Make sure someone is always responsible for you. Be guided out there. Shit is real. Okay, well, um, Fresh already brought us to the closing, which is what is your take home? Um, for me, uh, my take home would be, you know that saying where they say, don't take food from strangers. But I wouldn't say if you were to go to church and pastor was serving food, you shouldn't take it. You know? But longer throats is evil. <laughs> Try to control your longer throat. A wolf, they run belay true true. Um, be careful. But most importantly, uh, let's hope and pray that we never find ourselves in such a situation, whether as the victims or as the caterer. My take home would be be careful. Uh, for those of you that have great intuition, you have vibes, sudden vibes that. Uh, like a spirit or something screaming you should or shouldn't do certain things i think this is one of the situations where that vibe your intuition comes into play and will tell you that something is wrong something is off i think from the way the story was going and how um the caterer was contemplating things as she was getting there um i think it was her subconscious mind trying to tell her that okay you think you're prepared for this job but you're not really prepared so my take home is to not ignore your intuition all right um my take home you see this thing that we like to blame our leaders for our problems and if you notice how b talked about the pastor and related him to um the politicians his politician friends and i that gave me a hint of what is coming this makes us numb to how dangerous our neighbors are. Your leaders, your pastor will not come to your house to actually take you, to cook you. Somebody gave them the information. Somebody that knows you, your neighbor, your your maids, your people, your business partners, your colleagues in the office. So when everybody has talked about being security conscious now be careful and you should not just be careful with the politicians and and the rest i think it starts from your neighbors or something be very careful things they happen thank you so very much everyone this brings us to the end of another episode um ketra ketra was first published on muyori um 
uh, uh, we would attach um, a we would attach a link to the story for those of you who would like to read it for yourselves. And please do not forget to share your comments and your thoughts and whatever you think of the story. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed our chat and would like to continue the discussion, kindly follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Short Tales Club. Also, you can find the story and other works by the author on Amazon using the link provided in our show notes. Doing so would greatly help the podcast grow. Thanks in advance and see you next time.